Ladies and gents, welcome to what is called the turf. That's right, the silver and black turf. I'm your host, Nick Hamilton, along with my man, Scott Winter. And we're definitely going to be bringing you all things Raiders. That's right, Raider Nation. This is your turf. This is your time, your moment. Let's make it happen. What's going on, Scott? How you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. I'm uh, ready to get this thing kick-started, you know, get this uh, out on man. the turf. <laughs> Hey man, you know we gotta kick it. We gotta kick it deep in the turf, man. So first things first, we're gonna have a great show for you guys lined up today. We're definitely gonna be talking about uh, what the options are for the Raiders as far as where they're gonna play for the 2019 season. We're also gonna talk about draft picks. Scott's got some interesting news when it comes to the Raiders, as you know, as you guys well know what he does on Twitter. Um, so we're gonna have a good time, man. We're gonna have a ball. You know, me and Scott are gonna go at it as we always do. So. Let's get it started. First things first, my man. Um, the Raiders, where are they going to play? Now, we've seen constant reports uh, that they could play at Levi Stadium, which is home to the San Francisco 49ers. There was also talk at one time about Oracle Park or whatever it's called, formerly known as AT&T Park in San Francisco. Uh, there was also talk about them possibly moving to San Diego for one season. Uh, there was talk about them moving to Phoenix. It was all kind of possibilities, but the Raiders decided that they wanted to stay in the Bay, uh, even though they'll be moving in one season to Las Vegas to their new home, um, in their brand new beautiful stadium, I might add, right off Interstate 15. And, uh, now we're coming down to where are they going to move to? We got, we know that the, the, the place formerly known as AT&T Park is off the docket. Um, so now they have a choice. Either it's going to be Levi Stadium, now we've seen, uh, the Raiders president, Mark Bedane, come back and say, hey, you know what, we, we can try to negotiate with the Coliseum Authority. Uh, and, and because they did have a lease, if I'm not mistaken, Scott, of $7.5 million lease for the 2019 season before the city of Oakland decided to sue the NFL and its 32 teams that include the Raiders. So what's up with that, man? You know, that, that really is a, you know, a lesser of two evil choices that honestly, <laughs> it, it, it all depends on whatever pencils out. I mean, who do the Raiders dislike the least? Uh, you know, having to bunk in with the 49ers or, uh, or dealing with the, you know, the team that's, uh, the city that's suing you, the city that, uh, played negotiation games on your 2016 lease, making you look like Charlie Brown trying to kick the football and Lucy pulling it away. The, the, the city that, that wanted you out to begin with. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't even know, you know, how do you make that choice? So I look at it like this. I, I see the NFL as being kind of a more motivating factor in the Raiders trying to at least work a deal, uh, in the Bay Area. And if things pencil out, they're probably going to end up back at the Oakland Coliseum, although, you know, they, they would have swore up and down that they weren't going to play there when they pulled that, uh, pulled that offer off the table with the, uh, JPA, you know, last December, November when they did it. Exactly. Well, according to Mark Bedane, because Mark Bedane, uh, spoke with, um, actually, excuse me, Mark Davis actually spoke, who's the owner of the Raiders, actually spoke with the Las Vegas Review Journal last week. 
And he said, quote, I've said from the beginning, my biggest concern is our fans. And it's my hope and preference to remain in the Bay Area in 2019 for them. End quote. Now, that's funny that somebody like Mark Davis would say that because a lot of fans would disagree with him, especially about him saying he has love for the fans because there's a lot of Raider fans in the Bay Area and in Oakland primarily that are kind of pissed off that the Raiders are moving and moving to Vegas. Now, there's a lot of, there's a huge Raider community, obviously in Oakland and throughout some of the Bay Area parts. And there's a huge Raider nation here in Los Angeles. And so I, when, when I talk to a lot of LA fans about, you know, where they're going to move, whether, you know, their home is going to eventually be in Vegas, they just say, Hey man, you know what? This is another Vegas trip for us. This is another reason for us to go to Vegas. And then I talked to a couple of Oakland fans who got out of their feelings and stopped acting real Drakeish and said, you know what? Um, Hey man, Vegas would be cool if it's going to be any other place, then we'll take Vegas. And to me, I don't see what the big deal is about Vegas. I mean, it's a good spot. It's a, it's a growing metropolis. And I understand, I mean, losing your team for, for, you know, Raider fans, they've lost their team so many times up there in Oakland. I mean, they went from LA, then they went back to Oakland and now they're moving to Vegas. So I kind of understand where, where Raider fans are coming from in the Bay area. Um, seeing their team move away so many times. Um, uh, but hey, man, that's the nature of the business. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember, you know, uh, May 1982, you know, like it was yesterday. I mean, I bawled my eyes out when the Raiders left up my 13 year old self blaming the Raiders. I felt like, you know, Al Davis <laughs> had betrayed us. I didn't know any better. I didn't realize that. Lionel Wilson basically broke the contract with the Raiders and invested the money that he was going to upkeep, uh, get the new luxury boxes in at the Oakland Coliseum and he paid for the, for the airport. There's a lot of different things that went on up there, but the Raiders didn't break that lease. The city of Oakland did. And it took a couple of lawsuits and, and a lawsuit with the NFL and blah, blah, blah. And they ended up in, in Los Angeles where they didn't get a new stadium there either. <laughs> They had to come back in 95, and I remember that. It was an awesome day. I was celebrating. Woo-hoo. Raiders coming home. You know, I'm a kid from the Bay Area, so uh, that's awesome. But then you run into this situation. You know, the Raiders have been trying to get a place there. They've been talking about building a new stadium there since 2000, uh, you know, and they couldn't right. deal with the 49ers to build in Santa Clara. Uh, you know, Al Davis didn't like the way it, way it would look, the way it was going to be and decided he, he felt like the Raiders deserved their own home in in their own building, uh, something that they didn't have to share with the 49ers. And then Al, uh, Mark Davis, when Al Davis passed, took up that same feeling. He felt like it just wasn't the same. Um, and they just couldn't get a deal. They wouldn't give up the land. They wouldn't give up the land to the Raiders. They wouldn't give up the land to the NFL. And if you ain't got no place to put your hat, I mean, you can't even get in the door then, you know, it's kind of, you got to understand they got to move because, you know, you locked out of your own house. So, Scott, are you still in your feelings about the Raiders moving to Vegas? Well, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a sweet thing for me. I'm, I'm, I'm upset that, I'm mostly upset politicos in the Bay Area, especially, you know, Oakland, Alameda, that they're going to let, two, you know, anywhere from $1.5 billion to $2 billion over the next 30 years in taxes just walk across the uh, state line to Nevada. They couldn't, you know, get something done there in the Bay. And if they would have just met the Raiders halfway, they didn't have to come up with a whole bunch of uh, public money or anything like that. They just needed to give a good deal 
on the land to either the NFL or the Raiders. And they would have built there. They would have put, put that stadium up. Mark Davis wanted to stay there. But, you know, they're getting a brand new facility in Las Vegas. And I've looked at it. I've watched the results. I've taken a tour of the um, what the luxury boxes are going to look like. I went to a um, ticket presentation uh, for, for club seats. It is off the charts. There's not a bad seat in that house. It's gorgeous. And it is a tribute uh, to what the Raiders are. It's going to be a fantastic facility. It's going to play on natural grass. Uh, so <clears throat> for the first time in, the, in their history, they're getting their own stadium where they're the senior partner and not, not, not you know, the, 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 the little brother of baseball, uh, you know, that, or, or, yeah. or the little brother of the college team down in, down in the uh, Los Angeles College team. Well, here's the thing, too. Here's the thing about Raider fans, right? And I'm gonna touch on two points real quick. One, Raider fans travel. The one thing I can I can I can applaud and and respect about Raider fans is the fact that Raider fans travel, and they will go they will go to Timbuktu if they had to if the Raiders are gonna play a game. If the Raiders played in Egypt, Raider fans would be flying Southwest if Southwest went to Egypt and they would get there. Okay, so. One thing about Raider fans, I don't blame them for moving to Vegas because here's the thing. Vegas being a grown metropolis that it is, Raider fans are going to travel. Doesn't matter who it is. And Raider fans are deep out here in these streets. Let me tell you, you, you do not go to a Raider game, as you well know, Scott, and we're the opposing team. You can if you want to. Good luck with that and let me know how that works out for you. So Raider fans are very prideful. They're, they're, they're about their team. Win, lose, or draw. I mean, for years, the Raiders sucked, right? They sucked for years. And then they started getting progressively better, um, especially with when they started drafting and, you know, getting certain players into the fold. And they started becoming a team that you looked at and said, okay, this could be a playoff contender again, right, after years without missing the playoffs. And so I I looked at it like, mm, okay, let's see what happens, right? The thing about Oakland is that Oakland is a great town. Oakland is responsible for so much that is that as far as historically on and off the field and what they've developed. But the problem I have with smaller cities is the fact they have a small city mentality, meaning they don't see the long, the long picture. They don't see the bigger picture. They don't see the long game. And like you alluded to earlier, you're letting 1.5 to however many billion walk away the next three decades, possibly, maybe four, right? From a city that could use that type of tax revenue. And now it doesn't help the fact the Golden State Warriors are moving across the bay to San Francisco to play in their new stadium. So now Oakland only has the, the Oakland A's, which, good Lord, I mean, I, I feel if anybody has to sit there and suffer 81 games through that nonsense. But anyway, I digress. But when you look at what the Raiders, I think they'll work out some type of deal. I think the Raiders will end up playing either back at the Coliseum for one season or they'll share the, the, the duties with the 49ers and play at Levi Stadium. What say you? You know, again, it's still here. I would, I would lean towards that, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, the signs are pointing that direction. Again, I, I'm not, I don't really trust Oakland. Uh, with, with how they handled the 2016 lease, where they agreed mm. to it in February. And then they, I mean, you have to understand, the JPA is a representation of Oakland and Alameda. There are members 
from mm-hmm. Alameda, Alameda um, uh, County on their commission, and you have city council members on the JPA. So it's not like they're negotiating in the dark. The JPA is supposed to represent those two entities. And when they came to an agreement in February of 2016, that should have been the done deal. It should have been just a basic rubber stamp, and that should have that should have kicked off the leash, but it didn't. They wanted to play politics because they got a little hurt over the fact that the Raiders were, were talking to Las Vegas and whatnot, and they played politics and decided to up the rent even more. Can you go into that negotiation with Oakland without that in the back of your mind, without the fact that you're worrying, are you going to kick the football or is Lucy going to pull the ball away? That's that. I mean, that, and that's a real situation because they did it only two years ago, three years ago. So I, you know, you have to keep, you have to entertain the option that they're, they're that if something goes wrong, something goes south in these negotiations, because they're not a done deal, that they could end up somewhere else. They could end up in Fresno for all we know. They could end up in Reno. Who knows? Yeah, I doubt that though. I, I, I highly doubt they go to an even smaller town like that though. I hear you, but at least with Fresno, they'd be close enough to their base. You know, a lot. Yeah, of but dear guys. God, it's Fresno for God's sake. It's like going to Siberia. <laughs> it's in the middle of nowhere. percent of I mean, Fresno travel from from over fifty miles outside of Oakland to get to a game. So I mean, a lot of those people come from the Central Valley. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just I'm just saying. I mean, I'm only basically playing double advocate. But, you know, um, there's a couple of my listeners that'll go, Fresno, don't say that. No, no, shut up, Scott. Don't say Fresno. Um, but you know, and that, that, that's hey man, just, look, hey, look, nobody's trying to go to Fresno, man. It's in the middle of nowhere. We want to pick avocados. I mean, you're going to watch a football game. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. I think like. You say you you hope that they're going to Oakland. I hope they stay in Oakland at least one more season. The fans deserve it at least to go out and and bid their team a farewell proper and in a, in a proper way. So I hope they work it out. I hope whoever's policy to get greased, they get greased and we move on because ultimately the fans are the ones that deserve. They've been like I said, they've they've stuck with this team through thick and thin, and they need something to continue on and say, hey, we're going to send the Raiders out the right way, and they deserve it. Period. Point blank. On the flip side. Next up. Yeah, yeah I mean, for sure, for sure. I mean, and, and speaking about going, to- Raiders, Raiders fans travel, like you said, and that's that's a that's an important point here. We're talking about a team that is third from last in winning percentage since 2002. Third yeah. from last. You know who's worse than them? Buffalo and uh, the Browns. Okay, and mm-hmm. yet their merchandise and their attendance as far as per capita, is, is middle of the road. If you look at per capita and if you look at, you look at merchandise sales and value of the team, and yet, I mean, that's the mystique. Imagine what this team is going to look like when it's a winner. I mean, imagine a map. Yeah, I mean, it, and, and I mean, they have a long, they do have a long way to go as far as being a serious contender once again. I mean, I know they have Derek Carr. I understand that they're, they're building. I mean, they have three first round picks. And speaking of which, we'll get into the, the NFL draft because the Raiders do have three first round picks as it pertains to the 2019 draft. Now, the, the first pick is what? The fourth pick? Fourth pick? Yes, sir. Now, here's the problem I have. And this is the, and I, and this is the problem I have. You have the fourth pick, right? You have Jacksonville. You have San Francisco. 
before you. And then the first pick obviously goes to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, this week it was revealed that Kyler Murray decided to choose uh football over baseball. This Ironically, he has a $5 million contract with the Oakland A's. Yeah. Now, everybody is suspecting that Kyler Murray could go to the Arizona Cardinals because of his relationship with the sports agency that he's hired that also is the same sports agency that, that Cliff Kingsbury, who's the new head coach, hired to represent him as well. But to me, why would you get rid of Josh Rosen if you already believe in that quarterback? And Josh Rogan, Josh Rosen, excuse me, is still a young quarterback. So to me, do they choose a quarterback? And if so, how does that affect the Raiders? Because if the, if the Raiders, if they choose, if they choose Kyler Murray at number one, does that give the Raiders the opportunity to choose a guy like Nick Bosa at number four if he if he slides down to four? Well, in a Hail Mary kind of world, that would be fantastic if Bosa slides down to four. You know, I did a poll on this the other day. 85% of the mm-hmm. fans, you know, basically are like, they're running to the podium, you know, with for Bosa. And I would agree that if Bosa hits four, that you take Bosa unless you have some kind of, insane trade proposal, you know, for, for trading back. Uh, you know, if you're going to get a Rams type or an Eagles type, uh, or a, or a, you know, a team like, uh, uh, the Saints gives up all their picks, you know, like they did, you know, uh, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, whatever they did that then, okay, you have to entertain that. But I'm, I'm telling mm-hmm. you, I would post in a heartbeat, wouldn't even think twice about it, um, and run with it. Now, as far as the whole Kyler Murray thing, I mean, I mean, Mike Bidwell even came out today and said, yeah, no, <laughs> Bosa's our guy. I mean, uh, excuse me, uh, Rosen is our guy. Everybody said. Yeah, Rosen but is that the kiss of death, though? Huh? Is that the kiss of death just to appease the people? Well, no, the, the owner. Mike Bidwell's the owner. I know. I'm saying if you're the owner, I'm saying, you know, owners have come on and said things before, and then they, they've said to look right, and they end up going left. I hear you. I, I, you know. One of the guys said, one of the guys, uh, 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 one of the, one of the pundits said, they said, well, you know, Rosen is our guy. And he said, well, you know, if they would have said, Rosen is definitely in our guy, I don't even know, what are you guys talking about? This and there, he might have believed. What, 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 how did we get to this point where you go, Rosen is our guy? And, and you gotta be like, well, they're probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, even with the Khalil Mack thing, people say, well, you know, you know, we were told Khalil Mack wasn't going to trade too. Yeah. You know what Reggie McKenzie said to, to, uh, Pace over there in Chicago the first time over my bleeping dead body. That was his first response. It happened, but he didn't want to do it. Man, it definitely wasn't something he wanted to do right away. Well, here's the thing too. I mean, let's, let's say, for example, they end up taking Nick Bosa at one, which they should. I mean, they'd be crazy not to take Nick Bosa. If you truly believe in your quarterback and Josh Rosen, I think you have to surround Josh Rosen with pieces as well. Um, having Cliff Kingsbury is a help. He is a, he's supposedly an offensive minded coach. So that would help Josh Rosen, but you still got to put pieces around them. But let's say for all intents and purposes, they take Nick Bosa, right? right. Do you as the Raiders? Take a guy like Kyler Murray who could sit for a year or two under Derek Carr. And then if you are, are, are John Gruden, here's a quarterback that you hand picked, you hand selected, you can groom him the way you want to, you can mold him the way you want to. And then you could later on, if Derek Carr has a, a, a great year, which we all hope that he does have a great year in Raider Nation, 
sell him off like you did Amari Cooper later on next season? I don't know, man. Dude is 5'8". I mean, he's 5'8". He's, he's, I mean, 5'9 with shoes. Wait, wait, wait. How many games he played Oklahoma? <laughs> I mean, did, is it under 20? Did he start under 20 games at Oklahoma? I, I, he can, he, he has, he, he's got an arm. There's no doubt about that. He can use his legs. No doubt about that. He's 185 pounds. Yeah, I mean, you know, something just says front when I, when I hear 185 pound 5'8 quarterback is, you know, he also has, he's not got the greatest touch on his deep passes, which we know Derek Carr can, is one of the most accurate deep ball throwers. Um, I just, I mean, I think though, man. I mean, Doug Flutie was taller than him, and you saw what happened to him. Man, I mean, are you are you are you doing height discrimination, man? Are you are you height discriminating? Are we gonna get are we gonna get are we gonna get emails talking about your height discriminating, Scott? I don't want to get no emails like that, man. I hear what you're saying, man. But look at Drew Brees. Like Drew Brees is like what five ten. Okay, look at look at Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is what five ten as well, I believe five nine, five ten. Five ten is not five eight. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, when you but but if you have the arm the arm strength, right, and you have the the ability to create in today's NFL, especially in and out of the pocket, right? If you groom him, he sits down for a year or two, and he learns under John Gruden, and he learns under that system. You tell me, you mean to tell me you don't think he's going to be a good enough quarterback to get the Raiders what they need to do if they put the right pieces around him in that system? I mean, you know, anything is possible, but I, I think. No, I, I know anything is possible, Scott. I'm putting you on the, I'm putting you on the, on the block, man. No, I. It, it can, it, can it work? Anything is possible. But here's, here's, here's really the question. If you can't coach up Derek Carr, why should I trust you to coach up somebody who's inferior to him? Wow. Shots. Shots. I mean, already, I, mean I, I spoke to John Gruden about this directly, and he said, mm-hmm. and he iterated right to my face. He said that if Derek Carr fails, then John, it's John Gruden's fault. That's what he said directly to me. Mm. He said that at the NFL owners meeting last year, uh, you know, in Orlando. So. You're gonna trust him to. You, you can't. You can't make Carr, who has the arm talent, who has, who, you know, who, who has the accuracy, who's really, you know, conservative with the football as far as protecting it, and you're gonna give it to a kid, who played how many games and is like, you know, goes up to Derek Carr's shoulder pads. I mean, I I hear you. I mean, you make a valid point. I mean, if you can't. Make good with what you already have. Who's to trust you to make good with something that we haven't seen before? I totally understand that. Um, I, okay, let's say they don't take Kyler Murray. The guy that I'm looking at at number four to me yeah. that could fit the Raiders scheme in there, and especially on the defensive side of the ball is a guy named Quentin Williams out of Alabama. Big time defensive tackle. I mean, the man's been a national champion. Um, you know, he's probably about, probably the top guy in the draft, um, he could feel a big need for the Raiders, especially on defense. I, here's my thing. I, I cannot disagree with you on his talent. I think he's, he's fantastic. I think he is a, a game changer, a defensive tackle. 
and you want to upgrade positions when you can upgrade positions. And there's no doubt that you would be an upgrade to that position, except for the fact that you have four tackles on the roster that are going to be rotating in and out already. Four. You got more mm-hmm. return. Man, he ain't going anywhere. <clears throat> Raiders are really big on um, DJ Hall. He has the potential. You have Justin Jelly Ellie, who is your run stuffer. He ain't going anywhere. He just signed a new contract last year. He was hurt most of the season last year. That was his problem. And then you've got Eddie Vanderdose, who also showed signs of, of uh, playing well at that position inside, got the size and, and, and strength for it, but was, uh, at, was ready to play at the beginning of the season and then had a setback with his ACL, and they, they shut him down for the year. Do you want to take him, or do you want to take uh, uh, Farrell from, from Clemson, who absolutely fits the need? You, you, you are short on the edge. You absolutely need an edge rusher. Um, I think you need an edge rusher more than any other position on the field. And, but you're going to take a tackle when you got four tackles on the, on the roster already. Now, again, Williams is absolutely, as far as prospects go, you prospect a defensive tackle. So you have a point there. But, you know, you've got four tackles on the roster. Who's going to go? Yeah, I mean, I, I like Pharrell out of Clemson. You made a great point as far as being on the D. I mean, you know, being a defensive end, I mean, I think you do need an edge rusher. I think you need a guy that's going to uh be able to impact your team right away or at least have some type of impact on your team right away defensively. Um but at the same time, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see who they take because there's a they have a, they have options at the four spot. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of options at the four spot. I mean, obviously everything is contingent upon the first three teams ahead of them, but I think they have some options moving forward. I mean, could they take a, a could they go offense? Could they go defense? I mean, Lord knows they need another wide receiver. Uh they do need um you know, they need help on the corners. Um so I think that they they have some options they have to really look at. This is going to be a, a, a very intense draft for them because they do have three first round picks. Um starting with the fourth pick and then working their way downward. Um, who do you, my thing is this, who do you think the Raiders need the most? As far as, do you see them making any more trades as far as moving someone else to try to, you know, trade for picks? Um, who do you think the Raiders need, uh, that can benefit them and impact their team now? Because AFC West is going to be tough. We saw what the Kansas City Chiefs did in the AFC West with Pat Mahomes, um, how far they went to the AFC championship against the, now six-time champion New England Patriots. And you also saw what the Los Angeles Chargers accomplished for the first time in five years, making the playoffs and actually getting to the, the, the divisional round against the Patriots. So how do the Raiders compete in a in a semi-tough division like the AFC West against the two teams that I mentioned? Now, I was talking about this earlier today, and, and, and you take a look at the salary cap and the direction that Reggie McKenzie went. He loaded up on the line as far as paying the line. Uh, the Raiders had the number one payroll on offensive line, uh, after 2016. And it's just, it was, I, I understood the logic behind it. I get it. You want to, you want to set the tone. It, 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 it starts in the trenches. You want to get that run game going. You want to protect Derek Carr. When Derek Carr is protected, he's absolutely one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, so I can see why you would go that route, but it failed. It was a catastrophic stop. 
catastrophic failure, not because necessarily because of poor play, necessarily. There's a lot of injuries. I mean, you know, uh, Gabe Jackson played injured. He played well last year, but he played injured this year. Valencia Simile didn't play well last year, but was injured this year. Um, the only person who's absolutely earned his paycheck up on that line is, is Rodney Hudson. He's probably the best player on the whole team. Uh, but then you drafted two tackles last year. Uh, Miller played extremely well up until he, when he was injured, and then he went downhill like a rock. You know, it, it was horrible. Uh, Parker never played right <laughs> tackle in his entire career, like in high school, college. And when Penn went down, Parker, who was supposed to kind of understudy Penn and kind of learn and, and grow, got thrown into that position. Because he was the only guy that he was, he was the best guy on the roster there, and he was horrible. I mean, I don't mean horrible in a in a oh my god, you know, send him to a firing squad horrible, but he was he was a rookie and and first time there. And coaching him up, he got better slowly over over the course of it. He would regress. He got better and then he regressed. His confidence thing, you know. So you uh, you need to you need to get players. They're going to be more cost effective at your position. So let you assimilate. I, I like the dude. I mean, he's an awesome dude. I love seeing his Snapchat pictures. You know, the things that he does and, and, and whatnot. He did bungee jumping last year. I mean, he's just a cool dude, but he costs too much for what he does. You, you still have him under contract. He's still considered one of the best guards in the league as far as what's out there. But I think you have a, a, a better option for the price. If you re-sign Feliciano, put him in that position, mm. update on, on assimilate, maybe for a third rounder. I don't know if you can get a – I don't think you can get a second rounder out of maybe a third rounder. Um, I mean, you get a second, great, fantastic. But, uh, you know, he's 30 years old. You know, again, you know, he's a fantastic dude. And, and, you know, he signed the number one guard money contract three years ago. But, again, I think it's too overpriced for what the Raiders want to do. And then, you know, I still think, you you know, out of those four picks, you got three in the first, and then you got that second rounder that's almost the first. You know, yeah, I think it's pretty hard. It's awful or a guard out of that. Leading more tackle. And it's a, and it's a good draft for tackle than guard. No, it is. It's very, it's, it's, this is even, even though this is more of a, I feel like it's more of a defensive draft this year, like deep defensive draft class this year. Um, I do think I agree with you. I think there's a lot of tackles, left tackles, um, a lot of guys like that that can actually help you protect your quarterback and keep your quarterback upright and give him enough time to get get rid of the ball um, and create the plays and keep the clock going. I mean, excuse me, keep the keep the play the uh, keep the chains moving. So I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You make a valid point. When I look at this team and I look at the overall landscape. I don't see them winning the AFC West this season unless by sheer miracle. God forbid Pat Mahomes gets hurt, Phillip Rivers gets hurt, or somebody like that. I do think they'll be competitive, though. I think they'll be much better than they were last year. Even if they finished, let's say, 8-8 eight and eight at 500, it's still, a, it's still a lot better than where they finished this season, obviously. Um, right. But I think it's, it's a good step in the right direction. I just never been confident. First of all, I, I've, I have to see what John Gruden can do in year two because him being away from the game so long as far as on the sidelines, it's a different story when you're in the booth versus the sideline. And when you haven't been on the sidelines in over a decade, 
the game has changed significantly. And if you don't believe me, go back to a time when they tried to resurrect Joe Gibbs. And Joe Gibbs was out much longer than John Gruden was. And he had to get acclimated to it. And he still couldn't do it, even after a couple of seasons in. So my question has always been, what is John Gruden going to do that's so spectacular that he's going to try to turn this franchise around? And now you have a guy like Mike Mayock, who he got in as the GM, but we all know who the real GM is. So how is that going to work together? And how is he going to be able to walk the sidelines and play GM as far as if you're John Gruden? Well, when, you, when you're looking at your contract, um, Tom Delaney is going to handle that and get and get Mayock up to speed on on the value. Are you sure? He's the contract guru, um, attorney for the Raiders. Um, so, so when it comes to that, I'm not concerned at, at the contractual level and handling that. Uh, Mayock will handle the scouting scouting staff, which is another big function of the GM. But when mm-hmm. it comes down, you know, does this player fit my system? Does this player, is this player my guy? Is it, that's absolutely done. I believe that Mayock and John Gruden will have a, will be on the same page. I believe that there'll be times when John Gruden listens to Mayock about a player assessment, because I feel like Mayock is a better assessor of talent than Gruden is. Uh, I believe that there will uh, deference there, but at the end of the day, if John Gruden is really sold on a guy, it won't matter what anybody says. He'll take it. So, well, it won't matter because it won't matter because John Gruden is going to be calling all the shots. Mike Mayock is just taking up a seat, as far as I'm concerned, because I don't think he's going to do hardly anything. I think if even if Mike Mayock wanted to get a guy, if John Gruden said no, it's going to be no. And John Gruden is quote unquote not the GM, but. He he really is the GM behind the scenes. Well, right, but again, you know, they're, they're putting on that hat and and running those things the way you do. You got you take a look at at Bill Belichick. He does that, right? He is the the GM. He is the coach, right? And, and I know we're talking about a special category of person. We're talking about a guy that has been in the you know what nine Super Bowls in the last sixteen years. We're talking about a you know a team that's been in the AFC Championship so much that you know. Fans can legitimately put in Wikipedia, you know, a team from the AFC plays New England Patriots for a chance to go Super Bowl. I get that. But you still have people that handle the other things, the, the, the tedious nature things, not the decisions, but the tedious nature things, like the scouting, handling all your scouts. John, John Gruden's not going to go to each scout and read each scouting report and send it back for correction and all of it. That's what Matt's knew. It's going to be all cleaned up by the time John Gruden hears all about that stuff. And then there'll be in a meeting and say, yeah. this is what my guy say. I concur. This is the guy we're pounding the table for. And John Gruden, I believe, will defer in some of those cases. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean I disagree with you. He has the final say. But that doesn't mean that, that Mike Mayock, that, that John Gruden has no respect for Mike Mayock and has no respect for his ability as a talent evaluator. I think that's why. I don't think it's a. Well, I don't think it's a lack of respect. I just feel like, okay, you got to, to me, and this, again, to me, it feels like you just got one of your boys on there that's going to agree with you. Because when you mentioned Bill Belichick, 
There's nobody else in that in that system. We know Bill Belichick buys the groceries, cooks the dinner, serves the dinner, and that's what it is, right? You eat what's on your plate. In this right. situation, they have quote unquote Mike Mayock as the general manager, but we all know John Gruden is the shot caller. John Gruden is going to be like yay or nay when it should be Mike Mayock that says yay or nay because that is his position and that is his title. That was the problem I have when they first, when they got rid, they got rid of Reggie McKenzie, who was a GM, who was truly a GM, and they put in Mike Mayock in place because John Gruden wanted his boy, Mike Mayock, to come into play. So to me, this is why I have questions. And even I talked to a couple of Raider fans that had some similar questions like, okay, what is this guy really going to do? We saw him on the NFL network. And I'm not saying that Mike Mayock doesn't know the game because he absolutely knows the game. He knows the sport of football. He can, he knows talent. I'm not saying he doesn't, he, he doesn't do any of those things, but will he be allowed to do those things under what the general manager is supposed to do is my question. Well, I don't see him doing it under your textbook, uh, situation. Um, you know, saying that he's going to have that authority. No, he's not going to have that authority. Do I think that he will be doing things that John Green doesn't want to do? Absolutely. Otherwise, John Green wouldn't have hired, you know, a GM. They wouldn't have done it. They don't, if John Green was going to do everything, they wouldn't have hired Jim. Don't need to. You get a, you get a director of, uh, player personnel. He handles that stuff. You know, you were, uh, you do all the contracts because they got a guy for that. No, I believe that Mike Mayock comes in there because John Gruden respects his opinion and he's going to be a guy who can seriously challenge an opinion on a player with yay or nay, and might push John Gruden into better selecting people in the draft, which is such a huge thing. Talent evaluation, free agency in the draft, you got to have a guy who knows your scheme, who's going to buy, who's going to help you buy the group. He's going to be like, oh, no, no, you don't want to use that cheap cheese right there. That cheese ain't no good. We want the crap. No, 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 no. You want the great coupon with that, right? This is what, what you're going to do here. Yeah, this will make your this will this will better your entree. But you know, hey, you make your own decisions. I'm just I'm just advising. <laughs> you. It's gonna be like it's like a concierge position in the mob, you know. <laughs> I mean, here, like I said, I I have to see what's gonna happen because I I feel like this is just it's more of a face thing than a position thing. And I could be wrong. I could absolutely be wrong. Again, I have nothing against Mike Mayock personally. Never met the man. I've only seen him on the NFL Network, and I think he does a he did a great job on the NFL Network. Like I said, he knows talent. He knows what he's doing. I just hope that he's able to do everything that he needs to do in order to help this franchise get back to the place where they need to be, which is competitive in the playoffs. And getting, getting to the, at least the AFC championship in the next couple of years. And if they can do that, then I will, I will take back everything I said before. As of right now, man, please, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to watch this, this, this spectacle play out. And I'm going to see how much this thing is going to play out as it pertains to the Raiders on and off the field. Now, there was also talk about. Could the Raiders join Hard Knocks, the HBO program that comes on every year during the during the uh, before the season starts? And uh, my, Matt Patricia, who's the head coach of the Detroit Lions, 
They asked him about would the Detroit Lions be able or be willing to join Hard Knocks. Guess what Matt Patricia said? Matt Patricia said, you know what? I think John Gruden and the Raiders would be perfect candidates for Hard Knocks. <laughs> so yeah. do the Raiders take take the offer and actually join Hard Knocks? I think it would be pr- thoroughly entertaining. Uh, you know, I'm one of the few people that I think it would be a great move for them this year as opposed to a lot of people say, well, you know, why don't you wait until they're in Vegas, you know, where everything will be settled to have that brand new facility down there. But, you know, I'm the guy that says, you know, you got, you got Mayock in there. You got, you got a lot of stuff going on. I think, I think now is the time for them to go in there because let's say, you know, like you said, let's say they pull an eight and eight or let's say they pull a nine and seven and slip into the playoffs. Guess what? They're no longer, they no longer are eligible for hard knocks. In 2020. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and, and Gruden didn't answer the question when posed when he said, they asked Gruden, they said, Hey, hey, John, what did you think about what Matt, Matt Patricia said? And he just laughed. <laughs> That's it. He didn't that tells nothing. me he's thinking about it. Gruden no. is thinking about it. When is, when is Gruden ever turned down the opportunity to be on television? You know, that's the thing. I think it's a perfect, I think, you know, Gruden is the face of the franchise. You know, Mark Bidane, Hello. You know, Mark Bidane, Mark Davis, uh, Mike Mayock, uh, Derek, none of them are the face of the franchise. John Gruden is the face of the franchise. And Absolutely. If you can get him to get on TV is only good for Raiders PR. Well, you know what? Also, too, here's the problem I have. Well, not problem. Let me not say that. That's a bad choice of words. I love Mark Bedane. I think he's done an outstanding job as the president of the Raiders. Oh, yeah. I like I like Derek Carr. I think he's a good quarterback. I, th- I don't think a lot of people give him credit. Plus, he, it take, that type of injury that Derek Carr had, it takes about two years to really come back healthy and strong from that type of injury. So I look forward to Derek Carr having big things. And when you have a quarter, this is a quarterback-driven league. This is an offensive-driven league. So I think Derek Carr could be a star in the making. But you're absolutely right. I think John Gruden is the face of this organization. And so does John Gruden go, so does this organization. And you can't tell me that if they offer the Raiders an opportunity to be on hard knocks, John Gruden's going to turn it down. He can laugh all he wants. He's laughing because he knows he's actually contemplating on going on that particular program. And he knows it. You can't tell me. It's BS if he if he turns that down. It's a bunch of crap because you know he cannot turn away from a camera. All that time he's been on the four letter network, all that time he's, he's, he's been pretty much a, a personality even before he got to the four letter network. You mean to tell me now he's going to be larger than life? And he got, he's at, he has an opportunity to be in front of millions upon millions of people. Whether you love the Raiders or hate the Raiders, you're still going to watch Hard Knocks. Because of John Gruden, whether you want him to be successful or you want him to fail, you're still going to tune in because John Gruden is box office TV when it comes to hard knocks and it comes to the the Oakland Raiders. You know, I can't, I can't disagree with you there. I won't say, I won't get in and, and say that that John Gruden is saying, you know, pick me, pick me, pick me. But I do think it's a good fit. You know, and I wasn't putting in. You know he's saying pick me, Scott. You know it. He's the face. You know, he, he, he does really enjoy, uh, being on TV. He enjoys 
talking about football with anybody who talks to him. He really does. And, uh, I, you know, I just think it's a good fit, personally. I hope they go on there. I think it would be a great fit. I think it would be a great thing for the Raiders because you get a chance to kind of see them as they move on from Oakland heading into Las Vegas. Um, and they're actually getting ready for their final season in Oakland, a place where they began. Um, the legendary Al Davis to his son, Mark Davis being the part, you know, being the owner. Um, I think it's a great send off for them. I think it's a great send off for the city. So I would not be surprised in the least if they come on hard knocks and I will be watching. And I know a lot of Raider Nation would be happy if they're on hard knocks too, because that's a lot of fans and a lot of eyeballs watching on a for HBO. So HBO should be heavily, thoroughly trying to politic that move and make sure that gets done. Imagine them being on hard knocks and bringing in fans every week to be on the set. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, you know, you bring in your super brand fans, bring in your violator, drillerilla, your, you know, and, and you know, your construction guy and, and, and Elsa Burrow and other fans. You bring them in and, you know, you, you let them tour the facility and, and, and you make it a tribute to the fans that way too. You can make the whole show, you know, a, a fan fest just on the side, you know, like they, they did on um, Ballers. They, they brought in a lot of the Raider fans during the move, uh, you know, the, the whole discussion of the move. And they brought mm-hmm. them in, and it, you know, was, it, they're, it's not that they're unfamiliar with them. Well, no, I think, it's, I think it's brilliant. I think if they go ahead and do that, it'd be absolutely brilliant. I think yeah. it only benefits, and it makes the league look better, too, because when you have people that are, you know, Involved as much as, like I said, Raider fans out here in these, in these football streets deep. So they're going to support their team, win, lose, or draw. And I think it's, it's, it's a great move for the NFL. It generates, you know, from an economic standpoint, as well as HBO should be happy because again, they're getting ratings and the Raiders move the needle. Cause I think, because I believe that while you can't guarantee success, you can't guarantee it, there is going to be no excuse. For John Gruden, if this team is not a perennial playoff contender in two years, with all the draft picks and draft capital they have, plus the salary cap, they should not be stuck in hind pits in this situation in two years. Hey, I could not agree more. Hey, you know what, Scott? This has been fun, man. We got to definitely do this. Just to let everybody know that uh, – Silver and Black Turf with yours truly, as well as Scott Winter, will definitely be always on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. So make sure you tune in to that. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow Scott Winter. Scott Winter, where can they follow you? It's going to be at Scott underscore Winter NFL. Look at Scott put, giving that, 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 that plug like that. Check you out, Scott. And make sure you check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA. And also don't forget to download and listen to our other shows, the Q and A with your boy Q and Joe Arrigo. Make sure you also check out Spitting Silver and Black with Ania, Callan and Addison. And also let's not forget we got a Raider roundtable. So make sure you're going to talk all things Raiders coming from different points of view, all sides involving your, your fan questions and everything like that on the Raider Roundtable, which is a weekly roundtable that we will be doing. 
uh, we'll all be a part of in some way, shape, or form. So make sure you stay tuned to the SB Nation uh, Network and the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. For my man, Scott Winter, I'm Nick Hamilton. Any last thoughts before we get on out of here, Scott? Uh, just remember, you know, the next time we're on, we'll probably be talking about that combine. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't That's wait, man. Hey, it's going to be fun, man. I'm looking forward to this offseason. We got the combine. We have free agency to talk about. And then, we, then, lo and behold, the 2019 NFL draft. That's true. We got a lawsuit to talk about. We got, got information on. You know, I got some good stuff to talk about when it comes to that side of sense, too. And, you know, a lot of Raiders Nation doesn't, doesn't know, you know, and it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I think it's going to be a show that fans are going to be able to listen to, and they're going to get two good points of view with two genuine, differing points of view. And it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good for the fans. I think they're going to love it. Well, I think so, too, my man. So thank you so much for Scott Winter. I'm Nick Hamilton. Until next time, y'all stay sharp. We are out.